Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast. Before we get into this week's guest, and it's a biggie, I wanted to uh, let you know that this is the final MedTech Talk podcast of 2017. It's been a great year. I'm grateful to all of you who have listened. I'm extremely grateful to our guests who have uh, chosen to take time out of their busy days to uh, share their stories and to inspire us. So uh, it's a great part of my week. It's a a great opportunity for me to keep connected to MedTech and to uh, report the important stories of our sector. So thank you again to everyone who has participated in any way. It's a great treat for me. Our guest today is uh, Anders Wald. He is the president and CEO of Clinical Care Solutions and GE Healthcare. Clinical Care Solutions, of course, is one of the four major verticals at GE Healthcare, the others being imaging and life sciences and digital. And uh, Clinical Care Solutions really focuses on uh, the tools for clinicians and frontline caregivers, and they, uh, they offer up ultrasound and monitoring technology and maternal infant care and anesthesia, respiratory care, cardiology. So they really, uh, really are on the front lines of healthcare. So I was very happy to speak with Anders Wald today. And I had actually heard him speak a few years ago at a healthcare conference in Boston and really was struck, and I'll open up the podcast with this observation, really was struck by his, uh, his love of technology and his excitement about what GE is bringing to healthcare providers across the globe. So I was really happy to talk to him about that. But we also touched upon some other uh, important issues, or at least I think important lessons for people. Uh, Anders was at a a startup that was acquired by GE two decades ago. He opted to stay with the larger company. I asked about how he, uh, how he, how he built his career in GE, and what tips he would offer to people who are looking to make a career at a larger med tech company. I know the startup industry is struggling at times, and and larger med tech companies can provide some stability and and a lot of education and and a lot of opportunities. So. I thought that was a great conversation. We also talked a bit about the uh, the future of healthcare, including the future of GE in healthcare. Obviously, GE's uh, undergone some changes at the top with John Flannery coming in. So we'll talk to Anders about that. So we'll get into this podcast with Anders Wald, the president and CEO of Clinical Care Solutions at GE Healthcare. But once again, I'd like to uh, remind everyone that this is our last MedTech Talk podcast of the year. Now let's get into this talk with Anders Wald. <laughs> Anders Wald, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks a lot. I'm excited to be here and talking about uh, healthcare today and, and what GE is up to. Excellent. Happy to have the update. Uh, I saw you at a conference a couple of years ago in Boston. I think it was the Economist uh, World Healthcare Conference. And I remember you speaking because I remember you really uh, being uh, enthusiastic about the ultrasound technology you were you were sharing. It was a handheld device. It was being used in, uh, in areas in Africa. And I could I could sense that you were really uh, enthusiastic, uh, not only about the product, but about the, the, the technology. How do you maintain, I'm assuming that that's a sincere love for technology, if not, you're, uh, you're a wonderful actor, but how do you maintain that, uh, that love of technology when you're at a higher level of a larger corporation? Because I assume there's probably a lot of levels between you and the people who actually have their hands on the cool stuff. Yeah. That's a very good question, and, and certainly there's some challenges related to that. But uh, <clears throat> I think uh, uh, it helps uh, to be very deep in the domain in, in technology as, as a leader. But also, my view all the time, generically, whatever I do, I ra- ra- rather want to go all the time to to um, to actually the users or the customer or whoever we want to 
to to go to to solve the, the problems or, or what are the challenges that are on the table. In, in this case, the example you gave was uh, midwives in Africa that uh, have a very, very high uh, <clears throat> uh, maternal uh, um, uh, death rate. So basically, that's... Uh, that, that was a problem to solve. So we tried to do that across the board, and I, I tried to do that in the business early today. At that time, there was ultrasound. It, today, it's ultrasound, and we have added some other pieces or all the clinical component in, in healthcare, which is a very frontline, clinically oriented, very technology-driven businesses like monitoring. We have anesthesiology. We have maternal infant care, and the, there's some diagnostic cardiology products, all very small devices. And and, uh, and to stay close, you really have to understand what, what, what our customer are looking for. And, and, and we have found that we move in the directional outcome, not just find up, do, do an innovation. And, and you can basically display some new, new parameters or, or read some, some new technical uh, kind of uh, uh, clinical outcome. But, but you, you want to understand which problem you want to, 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 um, to uh, address. And okay. consequently, you will get very deep into technology, you get deep into the clinical side, and you really need to understand customers. And, and that is, is, uh, it's what helps me and, and my leaders too. They're all very deep in, 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 in their domain, and, and, and that helps us uh, uh, to your question. And, and you have been in ultrasound for, uh, for uh, over a couple of decades, I believe, and, and, and at GE for, for nearly that long. How did you find your way? Uh, uh, how did you find ultrasound? How did you discover it and sort of... Uh, Build a career around it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting one, and, and you're right. Uh, I, I've been in ultrasound almost my entire career. I had a few things going in the beginning, right after university, but then I, I happened to get uh, into a, a small group of uh, partly friends, partly uh, tech savvy group. We were ten people of us that had a startup, and there was a startup ultrasound company at the time. They were very very early days. So we kind of learned how to bring a startup to a business. It took several iterations and very tough uh, rounds financially and, and things like that. And, and, and through a lot of product management experience, we, this group today, after five different owners, ended up in, in GE Healthcare. So, so through, the, through the acquisition, I stayed through all those different uh, iterations. And, and, and through that, you got very, very deep. Uh, so that's how I get involved. Um, <clears throat> In 1998, uh, we got uh, acquired by GE, uh, and GE didn't really have a lot of ultrasound at the time. So this was an opportunity to build the ultrasound business for for GE. I think uh, the business at the time was maybe something like uh, yeah, 150 to 200 million dollar. Today, it's about two 2.5 billion dollar revenue, and and very profitable. In fact, if you had uh, <clears throat> listened to John Flannery, the new CEO of GE, when he pitched uh, his uh, turnaround uh, uh, discussion here for GE in November, he used ultrasound as the example of, of how to, to do that. So it, it's been great because then you could, if you get that kind of support and you get that attention in the company, you also get an opportunity to, to prove yourself and, 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 and practices that that's going to be applied throughout the big company. So being a small company startup and, and you, you survive that and, and can contribute to the bigger company is, is very, very uh, motivational for everybody working in the group. So that, that's been, been part of the success, I would say. That has to feel pretty good to have, uh, to have ultrasound sighted like that. 
So I was going to ask, very often when a startup is acquired by a larger company, the, the principals will stay for a short time and then go back into the startup world. Uh, but it, in this case, it sounds as if even though it wasn't a startup per se, you remained but had a had a, uh, a, a great opportunity to, to really build something yourself. So I can understand why you, why you remained. To what do you attribute the, uh, the growth of the ultrasound business over that time? Yeah, I, I would say, first of all, the, the, the business is, uh, is a combination of different things. Um, uh, innovation, technical innovation, is, is being the key. Um, ultrasound today may be uh, not the first choice. Uh, people think about MRCT to be gold standards, and that, that's true, but it's expensive. It's not very mobile. It's, um, it's a question of radiation in some cases, like uh, X-ray, for instance, and so on. So from a modality, an imaging modality point of view, it's very well positioned. So that's why I've seen the ultrasound market through new technologies, getting better image quality, different versatile applications, etc., has been successful. And that's purely because of technical innovation uh, in combination with yeah technology and also clinical innovation. So... So I would say <clears throat> going deep in the, this area, that, that's one component and having that strategy. The other one is linked to what happened to me also is that I've been able to build a team that was staying on and, and, and really going very deep and, and, and very long tenure. So we got expert in the field that, that becoming more and more expert. So that's the technology component. At the same time, we're building a business uh, very different from others. Um, not just uh, as focusing on, say, one or two geographies. We, we, we really wanted to go global. We have a truly very global business today. And in, when I say that, I'm equally balanced in our sales and revenues and, and profit around the globe. So, so, um, so whether this is the U U.S. or whether this is Japan or China, you, you pick a country, we have a high market share, we're present everywhere, and, and overall, it's a very equally balanced uh, around the continent. So that makes a business very robust. As you know, businesses and business <clears throat> changes, uh, and there could be a soft market here, there is a better market over there. So basically, that, that makes a very robust case. At this, I would say the other reason why why <clears throat> you be successful, we, we have not gone after one one say one clean, clinical discipline like radiology. We go into cardiology, we went to obstetrics, gynecology, you name it. We try to put ultrasound everywhere and being fairly successful in getting adaption in these new areas. And again we, we play very we have a high 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 position, high market share in in all these areas have been seen as an innovator. That helps also to make the business more robust. So that's a, that's a success of, obviously, the recipe. So for other people going into medtech, I, I think it's important to not just stay on just one foot and, and hope and pray that this is going to survive. I think you absolutely need to risk mitigate your, your approach and, and see if your technology is adaptable in other areas than, than, than this. And the other success factor, I think we never kept losing the eye of, 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 um, of the, the user and, and what the user really or customer really wanted. Uh, in our, our case, it, it was always taking cost out so we could sell it at the, at, at the right, right price point. So people really, it, it was an affordable product everybody can go after. And, and the versatility, I think, was, was another one. So 
outcome based based is is, uh, is really in today's language i would say there has been also a, a core part of the strategy and 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 success here what are what are the successful habits of uh, of working in a larger company like that? If you were to advise someone who was in a smaller company that was acquired by a larger company and they're they're questioning whether or not they would want to stay and, and maybe wondering how they might function in, in a larger organization, do you have any tips uh, for them? Yeah, that's a very good question because uh, I had the same same experience myself, and I see that when we have an acquisition or even people come be hiring from smaller companies, there's a tendency to think I'll just stick to what I know and and hope nobody's going to 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 touch me and and keep me alone kind of approach. Yes, uh, that that may be one, but I think it's it's um, it's actually um, <clears throat> there's a couple of things that people don't realize. There's a massive amount of resources in a large company that sometimes hard to get to. So you had to build a very strong network. You had to make yourself known and what you need and, and, and where your gaps are so people can help you. So I think it's a very important not stay in a silo, but really look outside and, 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 and have that approach, which is uh, some, somewhat a little bit difficult sometimes, but that, that's, I would say, number one. At the same time, I think you had to really make an agreement with uh, <clears throat> and management that don't don't completely integrate me in in the new world here because uh, some level of autonomy some 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 of that had to be recognized and protected and that's what we have done with them in the ultrasound business in particular which at the time when I came on board was three different acquisitions which we pulled together but most of them kept fairly independent for a while and then we started to step by step integrate where we see fit for the business. So I think for new coming in, they navigate and understand what resources are available and see which one you want and which one you don't want and, and be strong enough to, to protect. Uh, smaller company will feel it's a slowdown, uh, which is which is uh, dangerous for anyone. So so a bigger company normally goes slow, more bureaucratic and so on. I would say that's one thing. Bigger companies have much stronger compliance processes and, and other processes that are very, very helpful. So it's run by processes versus just pure innovation and depending on people. And that's another area I think GE has a very, very strong process. And once you learn them, it really works. And, and so so uh, be open-minded probably is the, the, the best one to, there's a fine balance there in, in many ways. We'll take a quick break from this conversation with Anders Wald to remind you that our MedTech conference, the original MedTech conference, is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis. We'll have our website up very soon. We'll uh, be able to uh, start registering people. I've been working with our co-chairs, Stacey Enzing Seng of Lightstone and Leslie Trigg of Outset Medical. Uh, we have uh, uh, already built, I think, uh, the beginnings of an impressive agenda. And I'm excited about. Uh, I'm excited to unveil that uh, in the new year. So, keep your eyes peeled. But please do block off May 31st. Be in Minneapolis at the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel. Now let's get back into this conversation with Anders Wall. That, that's great advice. So, looking forward now. Obviously, we, we're hearing a lot of uh, about GE. You mentioned John Flannery uh, higher up in the podcast. Uh, you prior to, to the change at the CEO level, and I want to—I I do want to address that in a, in a few minutes. But you last year became head of the clinical care solutions group. Uh, what? Uh, how, what? What is the? Please tell us about the clinical care solutions group. What is your role there, and what is that group trying to accomplish? Yeah. So, so we have a, 
in G Healthcare today, we have we have a, several types of products, and and some of them are are if I can refer to the modality itself, it's MR, CT, X-ray, etc. Though those are bigger bigger uh, systems, bigger iron. There's a there's there's a long process to do development. They they're also in a different place in the in the healthcare um, uh, system. They're not frontline, uh, and they are maybe less clinical. In, in the way they're being applied and, and things like that. The markets themselves are also not growing so much. Um, <clears throat> so that's one piece. Um, so different from, from clinical care solutions, I'll talk to you in a bit here, you have you have some another business called Life Sciences Business, which is bioprocessing and cell therapy. Very, very different. Almost never see, seeing so much. It's not that close to to, to customers and, and and very independent. So you, could, you have those two pillars. We have a digital component, which is again very different, more IT oriented, and and the last one is is a service component. So after those four, after those three, they, they, what we have, what I'm running now, and I lead this business, the clinical care solutions. It, it's a mix up of all our products, devices. More, more, you know, if you physically think about them, they are extremely close to customers. So, so <clears throat> without, without ultrasound, which is normally the first level of, of diagnostics in a hospital or at the front line, if almost like at the, at the small clinic or even at the private office. But then we have a whole series of products which are monitoring life. This is really in the <clears throat> intensive care unit. You're monitoring and any vital signs, for instance, or you are doing operations uh, in the OR, you are, you know, <clears throat> having an anesthesia system. So again, it basically is a high high risk situation for patients. So we 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 uh, we, uh, we distributing the the anesthesia agents. So it's <clears throat> very very frontline. Same thing for maternal infant care. So these are newborns with complexities, and we have baby warmers and and resuscitation devices. Um, and the, we have a similar one for diagnostic cardiology, which is the front line, very first uh, parameter you want to, to monitor. Um, so those those are some of the products we're having in this uh, uh, space here. Uh, and we said those have some characteristics, and it makes sense to put them together because they need to. It's fast innovation, new technologies happening. They need to be very much connected. This is uh, some of them are extremely cost uh, very expensive like in ICU for instance and anesthesia and OR very expensive places so it's a lot of opportunity for profits and also to drive productivity for customers so they will look for the the, the right level of in uh, outcome whether this is clinical or economic so from that point of view it makes sense to put these businesses together to drive best practices and and there's also some combination of similar customers there's ultrasound is being used in the OR together with an anesthesia system, for instance, uh, and so on. So a lot of similarities, very different from, say, the MR, CTs, digital, and so on. So that's why we put this as one group together. Uh, it happened to be a lot of co, uh, say, uh, uh, location of some of the the teams as well. So so that makes a lot of sense for, for GE to G Healthcare to do that. So that's why we put it together. That's a little bit what we do. Um, and today, I think going a little bit thinking forward, everyone has a similar kind of thing. We, we create a lot of data uh, by diagnostics, whether you're an ultrasound or, or you, 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 uh, you, um, you get 
data for, for in, the, in the ICU, for instance, or you do any kind of monitoring, uh, anesthesia, you, you see how, how patients are, are being monitored across uh, a procedure and so on. So all of that generates a lot of data. And, and what we think today is that we will use that data uh, um, to, to be much more predictive and, and use big data machine learning, um, uh, artificial intelligence to be much better advisor of, uh, of, for the user and how they can use the data and be more predictive with diagnostics and patient care. So that's really a foundation that we are, we are building right now. Um, the other component, I would say, helps us a little bit here. We see pieces of our the big strategies. We see uh, hospital is kind of moving outside the walls uh, of the hospital itself. It's very, very expensive in a hospital. So these devices we're managing here in the CCS business is subject to move outside, and we, we can connect them, but they can move outside the hospital to go to a smaller clinic. At some potential, it can even go uh, um, ambulatory, and you can maybe even go to the home one day. Uh, with with sensors and connectivity, uh, and that's why we have built into healthcare today a, a big platform called Predix, and we have a, uh, its own health cloud solution. Uh, so we see all of that is kind of connecting, and, and we see these devices actually play a, an ecosystem by themselves, which we want to tap into. So that's another big reason why we wanted to put it together and see if we could actually try to to uh, to help. Uh, our customers to drive cost out and and address more patients basically at the same time. How are you looking at, at growth going forward? The ultrasound business, as you mentioned, grew uh, at an extraordinary rate over those 10 years. Uh, but the healthcare system is very different now. Uh, payments are very different now. And as you mentioned, hospitals uh, are, are more and more constrained. Is it is, does the growth come through those uh, those digital connections that you're you're referencing? It, will it, will the growth come from products sold outside the hospital versus those inside the hospital, or, or is the hospital still still king and the rest is just uh, complementary? Yeah, I know it depends what time frame you're talking about. I think uh, hospitals are going to be king uh, for, for for some time, but but that's that's not that's going to be limited because we see that every healthcare system around the world every country struggles with cost that cost is going down every single day it's so and and at the same time you have aging uh in most of the developed markets and in emerging markets you have the uh, say um middle class and others uh getting to the hospital and can afford so they get hospitals are getting attacked from all, all directions, and and so this rising cost we have to, to have to beat it. So most of our products today are fairly mobile, and and inside the hospital is expensive. You go to the smaller hospital or the clinic or even further down, even even outside the clinic itself, you can obviously go private, but but you can go to <clears throat> paramedics and so forth. You can do a lot of these different things. If you remotely can read, can diagnose, decide, etc., and and today's world you can if you can develop the connectivity and 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 automate some of these uh, these readings. So that's why we felt that uh, the hospital of the future is is really using health data, uh, increasing mobility, uh, battle the rising cost by moving outside the hospital and drive really a, a value over volume, and then. 
be very, very patient-centered with solutions. Um, and if you do that, uh, you know, focus on what are the metrics and the differentiators, that's where I think the future will be in terms of these devices. And, and, and uh, we have seen examples of that. And, and we have already now quite some revenue outside hospitals. And some of these devices we're doing today, and, and we have been experimenting for quite some time, uh, and we are starting to see the first AI devices, implement, uh, AI technology in, implemented on our devices. That helps us to get less trained people to do faster exams and read faster, for instance. That could be one. Another example could be uh, uh, what we've done in, in, in uh, uh, in ECG, echo, uh, echocardiograms, which is actually reading an, an ECG uh, cardiac trace, uh, if you may. Um, it, it's a fairly simple pr procedure. Almost uh, anyone could, you know, by connecting a couple of, of sensors, you can actually measure the ECG. It can be remotely uh, uh, monitored. Uh, today, uh, it requir requires a professional to read an ECG and decide whether you have an uh, a, a condition called, for instance, uh, uh, a, a fibrillation, so which is a it's a, a it's a condition that the electrical activity in the heart is is not accurate, and it's a high risk for a potential heart attack la later on, a cardiac, a coronary artery disease. If that is the case, today we have an example of, of one service that's being provided. There are about 200 people sitting and reading ECG. Uh, every week, they have about 25,000 reads. We have developed an algorithm that takes out <clears throat> all, uh, uh, well, let's put it this way, 25,000 reads. Out of those, there there's about 20,000 that are normal. We have an algorithm that is developed takes out that reads automatically without having any anybody physically reading it. It's an FDA-approved algorithm, so it takes out... Uh, Basically, 80 uh, percent, and and that means you can focus on on the on the real the, the last 5,000 that is this there. So that's that's an example how we can remotely have moved this technology outside the hospital. It can it's basically in the cloud, and somebody else can can handle it from anywhere. This is where this business is going. That was just one example. I mean, many parameters like that. Um, you referred to, well, I talked about this in Boston a few, few years back with the, uh, with the midwives, and we have now people remote reading ultrasound, for instance, so that's another example of uh, how, how that can, can be. And consequently, we, we, we attack many, many more patients with the same technology at the same cost. So I think that's kind of where this is going, uh, as, as a few examples. Excellent. And I think the the, the question uh, everyone is is wondering is is what is is next for uh, for GE and healthcare. You mentioned uh, new CEO John Flannery at the top of the podcast. Uh, what sort of um, I guess feeling or direction are you getting from up above as to how GE will play in healthcare going forward? Obviously, you're not going anywhere, but do you have any uh, indication of of how things might change if they will change? If anyone, if customers or or Partners will, will feel anything uh, different going forward. Can you give us a, an update from inside? Yeah, well, I, I don't. First of all, I don't think that our 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 customers will see a, a lot of change, other than GE is, is seriously committed to GE Healthcare as a one pillar in in GE by itself. I think that's that it's it's Flannery. We had we had the pleasure of having Flannery as a leader for two and a half years. He at that time he came in and and fixed a few things, but which was execution. It was uh, 
you know, being having the right strategies and 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 making certain we we focused. Basically, he, he took the recipe that I just gave you in terms of how we've been very focused on customers and outcome. That part has been really helping the business big time. I think that's what you're going to see, and 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 I think you're going to see a much more uh, say less. Uh, say a heavy iron kind of business is much more faster moving. Uh, we 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 trying to shift the culture into uh, you know be outcome, but that means you have to test a lot of different things differently. And in, in in the market, we be applying fast works processes and and things like that. Uh, we decided to double down on 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 businesses like the clinical care solutions because they are moving outside the hospital. That's where the big market is going to be in the future. We're doubling down on digital. We have to be connected. And that's another one that we're going to do. And, and we have some major uh, partners signed up for, for developing uh, these protocols and how this is going to be going forward. So I would say that's probably where you're going to see that. And when I say what's the, the hospital of the future, which really is not within the, the four walls of, of, of the hospital, I think that's another one you'll see. And uh, I, I would assume we can't do this alone. Uh, in GE Healthcare, we will probably look for partners that can help us in this space. So that may be an, another element that you will see the company is going to to partner up with with more to to make certain we are connected to uh, to everything in terms of AI, in terms of digital. Uh, wireless is a big big area we we entering into where, where everything is going to be connected a different way. I think that that's that's a few things you you will see from. From uh, from GE Healthcare, and it could be some new areas. I mean, we, I'm only speaking to clinical care solutions today, but I, I, I think the other pieces of, of, of my my colleagues here does have plans which are very similar, uh, although and, and, and moving out of hospitals or moving outside of the core, which because we recognize that the world is shifting really really fast here, uh, and, and we need to follow that. The, the final question, I'll let you go along those lines. You mentioned the, the, the partners you'll be working with. A lot of our listeners are, are uh, work for startups, lead startups. Uh, do you see GE's uh, relationship with, with startups changing at all? You already have the great venture program that's making investments in this space, but do you see uh, more acquisitions, more uh, more collaborations with smaller companies uh, in the future? Yeah, I, I you know, this is a very, very interesting thing because I don't think uh, GE Healthcare will be able to survive and, and grow at the rate today or, or even faster and adapt to, to changes without uh, without partners. They, they could be everything from acquisitions to, to partnership on, on different levels. And they could be technology ones, they could be distribution ones, uh, they could be clinical uh, uh, ones. We see a lot of, of uh, experiments and innovation happening at, the, at our customer side as well. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, a globalization could be another one. There's a lot of things happening on, on that front too. There's, there's, uh, and I, I think uh, I was another medtech conference um, um, a couple of months back, um, and, and there was a lot of questions from startups, and, and clearly people that want to find an outlet, an opportunity. And I just in, encourage everyone to be aggressive and, and, and maybe go through our venture programs. Which, which we and we have a growth board. We're looking at uh, different companies every day to see if there's a, an opportunity to 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 find ways to to work together it, within kind of in in the, the the strategies we are today. I don't think we're going to venture out in the big new fields, but things that are related to what we do, whether they are imaging or or, or frontline kind of uh, areas. But digital is certainly a very interesting one. AI is an, is another one. 
Terrific. All right. Well, we appreciate your uh, your insights and you're taking a few minutes with us today. So thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks very much and good luck to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, that is a wrap, a double wrap, actually. It's a wrap of this podcast. Thank you, Anders Wald, President and CEO of Clinical Care Solutions at GE Healthcare, for joining us, for sharing your story, for uh, shedding some light on GE's future, for helping us understand how uh, startups can work with the company going forward. Thank you, MedTech Talk podcast listeners. It's a wrap on 2017 as well. It's uh, been a terrific season. I'm really grateful that you take time out of your busy day to listen to these podcasts. I'm grateful to everyone who has reached out and offered uh, feedback and input. I ask you all to, to do the same. You can reach me at tom at healthag.com. That's the word health. Followed by letters E-G-Y.com. Healthag is the producer of the MedTech Talk podcast and the one and only in the original MedTech conference, which is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis. So please uh, circle that date. Make sure you're at the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel on May 31st. We'll have information about the agenda coming out. As I said, we've been working with our co-chairs, Stacey Enzing Seng and Leslie Trigg, and we promise uh, to bring a great program to you on that day. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at MedTechTom. We'd love to hear from you there as well. And uh, that's it, folks. I hope you uh, enjoy the holidays. I wish you the best of holidays and the happiest of New Year's. Uh, we will be resuming the podcast the first week of January, the first weekend of January, so you should be able to... Uh, to listen to our uh, first interview, which is going to be a good one, on your way to J.P. Morgan. So to all of you headed to J.P. Morgan, I uh, hope you have a very productive time there. It's always a great way to start the new year. I unfortunately won't be able to attend this year, but I look forward to hearing from you either on Twitter or via email. Please do reach out. That's it, folks. Happy New Year, and thank you for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast.